coming in as Bloom. Do it like center that. Flames Talk with Pat Steinberg and Wes Gilbertson on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, let's get this hour going. It is Wednesday, December 13th with Wes Gilbertson of Post Media. My name is Pat Steinberg. Welcome to the Sports Drive brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. This Christmas, give the gift of security with smart locks and safes. Visit CalgaryLockandSafe.com, Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts and Flames uh, have scored nine goals in their last two games, which is good. I think that you'd take that against Colorado and Vegas. Unfortunately, they also have one of a possible four points in those two games. So, you know, positives and negatives there. And you know what else? I've been thinking a lot about this because I'm feeling really good about a few members of the Calgary Flames right now. Really good. And I'm also really concerned about a few members of the Calgary Flames. There are certain players that are trending in really positive directions. And there are certain players that you're like, what exactly is happening here and what are we witnessing? And so I just have, uh, I've got some questions to ask in no particular order. And we can kind of just get into as many as we have time for. Text lines open at 960-960. Here are my, uh, here are my positive offensive trends. And we're talking just about forwards. So um, I, I don't, I you know, I'm not excluding Mackenzie Weger or Rasmus Anderson or Noah Hannafin because they're all having nice years offensively, but I'm talking specifically about forwards. So you tell me if I'm, I'm missing anybody in your mind, but I have on the positive trending in the right direction category, Nazem Kadri, Yegor Sharangovich, Connor Zary, Blake Coleman. These guys have all really pulled their weight or more than their expected weight this season, I felt, and especially since the beginning of November. And then on the other side, you've got, even though I felt like maybe it was starting to turn around, seems like it's come back the other way with Jonathan Huberto, Elias Lindholm, Andrew Mangiapane, three of their highest paid forwards and um, most important forwards are kind of on the other end of the spectrum right now. Have Have I hit them both in your eyes? Yeah, absolutely. There is not a, a name that I would move from one list to the other there. I, I would probably add to the other side. You've got Huberto, Lindholm, and, and Manjapani. I would add to a, a lesser extent because the expectations are a little lower. Dylan Dubé and Adam Rizicka. Yep, fair. I mean... Dylan Dubé was a guy that I was pushing. I've, I've had people have been crushing me on it. I was talking about why not a long-term extension for, for Dylan. He has seven points. Oof. Adam Rizicka has been given every opportunity this season and has not made good on him at all. So, yeah, lesser extents, but I think they belong there as well. Absolutely. Yeah, but let's focus on the big boys for a bit. You've got so, some great questions. I'm trying anyway. I'll start with Kadri. We, we talked about him last hour with uh, with Derek on the roundtable. So you can go check out that conversation. I have just been full-on impressed with what we've seen from Nazem Kadri. Like, in the last six weeks, what Nazem Kadri has been 
is exactly what I thought the Flames were getting when they signed him. And unfortunately, we didn't see that for all of his first season. But he looks like the guy on the team. Right now, Nazem Kadri is the guy when you need a big play, when you need a big goal, when you need a spark, when you need something, I'm looking to 91. And I'm looking at when you need momentum to change, tone to be set, I'm looking at Kadri. And I guess my question is, what has changed? What has allowed him to turn into the guy on this team? Is it as simple as Connor Zary and Martin Pospisil being put on his line? Is there more to it? I, I, and that's rhetorical, but that is, that is my first question. We'll start on the positive side. I think it has something to do with the, the line mates, but so much credit goes to Nazem Kadri for the example that he's tried to set. And, and the word that pops to mind for me is just engagement. He, he has been consistently competitive. He's been in to steal an old Glenn Gullitz and saying he's been right in the guts of the game all the time. Yep. You know, he's, he's in those scrums. He's playing like a pain in the, you know, I loved your analogies. He's the guy that Jordan Bennington wants to throw a water bottle at. Like that's been Nazem Kadri. And in his first season, especially with the Calgary Flames, he wasn't that often enough, at least from my vantage point. And so I think he deserves a lot of credit for that. You know, you could watch him on nights last year. And I, I remember us having a conversation the day after that Chicago game where, yeah. where he had two really sloppy plays that cost his team a game that they couldn't afford to lose. And you could look at him in the late stages of the last season and wonder, okay, you know, he got his contract. He got his championship ring. Is he, is he content? You know, is he satisfied? Does he have that same drive? I, th I think that was a fair question yep. <clears throat> on certain nights Excuse last me. season. And I don't wonder that anymore. This this looks like a guy who is determined to drive the bus. And and going all the way back to training camp, he's not only said the right things, but he's really shown me the right things in that regard. And that consistent engagement in the game has been the biggest difference for me. Yeah. And, and I agree. And I do think, I don't think it's a coincidence that kind of... Hey, Nazem, we're putting a young guy on your line. Show him the way. Like, we need you to drive this line. We need you to be a guy to... You're, you're the guy on the line. We, we like Connor Zary, but he's got zero NHL games. You've got a cup. You're the guy. We need you to be the guy on this line. And there's probably something to that. And I also wonder, you know, that's, this guy does not like to lose. This is a guy that has a championship, has played multiple playoff games, his won and lost series. I think that that fire got ignited with another brutal start. You know, they had a brutal finish to last year, and then they're off to an awful start this year. I wonder if that played a part in it as well. It's like, okay, enough of this. We're supposed to be good. Let's see if we can turn this. And, and I feel like he's done everything in his power to do that. Well, and I think he found himself in the crosshairs after the brutal start. He, he was arguably being blamed more than any player on the roster yep. for the tough start. And I think he took that personally and, you know, publicly it was very much, Hey, I'm getting the chances. It's all, it's going to work out. Don't, don't worry about me. But I think privately he really, he really took a bit of offense to the way it was being portrayed that Nazem Kadri might be the Calgary flames 
biggest underachiever. And I think it was fair to say that at the time, but he, he is absolutely, he's absolutely turned that on a dime. You know, the one thing that I think that sort of mentorship role has done for Nazem Kadri is brought some extra accountability with it. And I remember chatting with him, you know, we, we've all chatted with him at various points about the way he's trying to impact Zeri and, and Pospisil. And, and I asked him a few weeks ago, well, who, who was a guy for you as a young player that, that you looked to it? And he said, well, Phil Kessel was one of my early line mates and he was, he was really hard on me. Like he was really hard on me. And I don't think playing with Nazem Kadri has been a cakewalk for Zeri and Pospisil. I, I think there's been some, some very constructive feedback, but I think it also holds Nazem Kadri accountable because he knows if if he's going to be critical of his rookie teammates on the bench, he has to go out there and make sure he's doing it Fair. the right way. Fair. And I think that sort of consistency in his competitiveness and his engagement might have something to do with the fact that it's like, <laughs> okay, if I'm going to tell these guys we can't take a shift off, I can't take a shift off. It has to start with me. And I give him a lot of credit for doing exactly that. So let's let's kind of advance that conversation then. Because Kadri has really flipped the narrative and gone from, I think that he insulated some guys in the first month of the season from taking criticism because, as you said, he was taking the brunt of the outside criticism. Now, I don't think it bothered Kadri at all, as he said many times to us, guys, I played in Toronto. Like, this is nothing. Uh, so, you know, Pat and Wes and Flames Talk postgame and Twitter and, and Instagram ripping on Kadri, he's, he's had the Toronto media and the Toronto circus, and he's been in the crosshairs in Toronto before. Um, but I do think that it kind of insulated the rough starts for Lindholm and for Huberdeau, right? Sure. Jonathan Huberto is on pace for 42 points right now. Oof. What? They're different players. So I don't know if there is anything like on ice, X's and O's, that can be done here. But is there anything that Huberto can emulate that Kadri has done to change the narrative so dramatically in seemingly the snap of a finger. I just, I wonder if there's any, even that Kadri can, like if there's any wisdom Kadri can pass on to Jonathan, this is what I did mentally, approach-wise, whatever, that, that Jonathan could do similar. This is a great question, by the way. Do you, wa- do you want to answer? Do you want to, do you know, do you have an answer? No. Yeah, it's, it's a great question. And I, I, ever since you mentioned it to me earlier today, as we were uh, preparing I've, I've been thinking a ton about it. You know, the trouble is the sort of, you were talking earlier about the play Nazem Kadri tries to make in overtime and and how you'll take the good with the bad there because Nazem Kadri is going to, he's going to beat those guys a bunch of times. And that sort of directness in his game, that, that, that want to take on guys one-on-one and see if he can you know, put his head down with the puck on his stick and wind up on the other side of it. That doesn't work for Jonathan Huberto. And so the the sort of, I, I'm going to say selfishness, which is the wrong word for it, but the, hey, I'm going to do this that can bring out the best in, in Nazem Kadri, that to sort of put the blinders on a little bit sometimes and say, they're not going to deny me. 
that can bring out a really good side of Nazem Kadri. And I think it brings out the opposite of Jonathan Huberto. When you see Jonathan Huberto, a guy whose pace has been an issue, try to beat a bunch of guys one-on-one, it usually winds up with the puck and the opponents going the opposite direction. And so that's, I guess that's the image in my head that I can't get past as I try to figure out this the answer to this question is because they're such different players that way in the way they, they attack the game. I'm not, I'm not sure that there's a whole lot of correlation, mm-hmm. but you, I guess like to see Jonathan Huberto show the same sort of confidence in the ways that he can show confidence. And that's getting more shots. That's making more of those passes that we talk so much about. But you can see why that confidence is not there because it's not clicking. It's not where he doesn't have a point in six games. He doesn't have a goal in 11. He's been a $10.5 million non-factor for the Calgary Flames of late. And that is just really hurting this team. Yeah. I I just, the only thing that I can think of is... Some of, I I don't think, I think that you're perfectly accurate in talking about on the ice if it goes this way, but some of the, maybe the right, I I don't know if defiance is the perfect word to use, but Nazem Kadri pissed a lot of people off when he was asked early in the season about the way he's playing and he was kind of like, yeah, you know, I'm doing, the chance are there, I mean, right? He was like, take some responsibility. That's not who... Not that Nazem Kadri doesn't take responsibility. I'm not trying to say that, but Nazem Kadri is not a roller coaster guy because of where he's played, because of what he's gone through, because he's won at the ultimate level and been a damn big part of winning at the ultimate level. I think he's learned over the years that he's an even keel guy and yeah. being an even. So he's I just gotten, wonder if I can jump yeah. in because I think this is the point you're you're making in a lot of ways. He's really learned to channel his frustration in the best possible way for him. Yeah, over his career, and there there's been some well uh, documented well documented times when that hasn't been the case. But as he's matured, he really has learned how to channel that frustration. I'm not sure that we've seen Jonathan use it in the best way so far. Is that I, fair? Yep, yep. And I just wonder if there's anything that. Nazem could impart, say, hey, you know, this is this is how I did it. This is how I blocked it out. This is how I stayed even keel. That's just me. I'm grasping. Yeah. You, it's it's so tough because you, you watch Jonathan Huberto and, and you just feel for him. Like, I, I, I can just tell he's skating around with zero confidence. I can tell how much he's wearing the fact that he isn't producing. I I can tell how much it must be wearing on him that, Hey, I did everything I thought I could do through the summer. You know, I was on the ice a a ton trying to just get the confidence back with the puck on my stick. I, you know, I was seeing sports psychologists. I, I was going through all these steps that I thought would make me a better player in my second season with the Calgary Flames. And quite frankly, it it hasn't made a difference for him. And I can't imagine what it's like to be signed for eight more years and be out there wondering 
what sort of player you are now. Yep. But it, it sure looks to me like that's where he's at. Yep. It's hard to watch. I feel awful for the guy. I, I really do. And he, he's such a... He seems like such a great person in our dealings with him. He, he's very open and honest about the the sort of tug of war in your mind when you're struggling. It's it's hard to see him with no answers right now. Yep. Um. Okay. What does Elias Lindholm's next contract look like? Because right now, he's on pace for maybe 20 goals and around 50 points. And there was what we believe to be anywhere between 8 and $9 million annually over eight years on the table over the summer. What are we, like, what are we talking about? Even if he hits the open market, what type of contract is Elias Lindholm getting based on the way this season has gone? And that's not me taking a shot at the Lindholm camp. That's not me saying, oh, look at how much you cost yourself. It's more just saying... I, I I really disagree. I don't think Elias Lindholm is the type of guy who checks out. I don't think he's the type of guy who quits on teammates. I do not. I think Elias Lindholm is playing with a... I think he's going through it. I think that he is... I, I think the distraction and the uncertainty of the next few months, not knowing where he's going to play to finish this season, not knowing maybe in his head why a deal hasn't come to fruition here, not knowing how where this team is going in the direction the Flames are going, and not knowing what his long-term future looks like. I honestly believe all those things have really conspired for him to be in that category where his play is concerning. He does not, even compared to last year, where his points dropped from his 90-point season and his 40-goal season, even last year compared to this year, I think it is a drastic, stark difference between the the two Elias Lindholms we see. We we see Elias Lindholm way too far, way too few and far between games where he's been a true driver and a and a true leader on the ice. Leader's the wrong word, but a guy that is leading the way and impacting the game. That it just hasn't happened anywhere near as much as we're used to it with him. It uh, it certainly made me pause it and. I guess just try to figure out if, if Elias Lindholm can be the guy who drives a line or if he needs to be a really good supporting piece who has such high hockey sense that he can really click with good players, right? Two years ago, he played with two guys who finished with 100 points, and he was certainly a part of getting them to 100 points, but... Two guys with 100 points. Mm-hmm. Last season, his best line mate had 73 points. This season, his current line mates are on pace for somewhere in the 40s. Without doing the math, it would be somewhere in the 40s for sure. And so that is making a difference offensively. I think the the demands of the Calgary Flames zone defense on a center are probably keeping Elias Lindholm I don't I just don't see him getting those opportunities off the rush because he seems to be a long ways behind it because of his defensive duties mm-hmm. on a lot of nights. But yeah, I, I think the uncertainty's been tough on him. And I'm sure if Elias Lindholm sat in that chair right there, he'd probably tell us financially he should have signed the contract that was on the table in the summer. Because yep. unless he gets traded and, and winds up playing with a couple of stud players and, and 
goes berserk for the last couple months of the season, I think this this campaign is going to cost him some money. It has to. I don't know how. I don't know how there's any way around. It just it, he he looks now like a second line center on a really good team, and yeah. and there were even some some good teams that you could say, well, he, he might still be able to be your best center, and now he just looks like he's maybe dropped a tier for me. And just quickly, what Andrew Mangiapane? Look, I am the one of the biggest fans and have been since this guy broke into the league. You know, he's on pace for 17 goals-ish right now because he missed the one game, so I'm doing that over an 81-game pace now. Um, I don't, people are talking about trading him on our post-game show. He took two awful penalties. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm concerned. Like, I, I'm a huge fan of the player, but... Even again, much like Lindholm, even compared to last year, I feel like what we're seeing from Manjapani is even more up and down and inconsistent. He's got one goal in what is past, I think, going back to early November. Maybe two going back to early November, mm-hmm. it would probably be. It, yeah, he, you know, I was watching last night. He takes those two, as you said, awful penalties in the early stages. He gets stapled to the bench for the rest of the first period and and then when he when he escapes the pine purgatory he's back out there and I'm watching him thinking to myself you know I I don't know what player is less effective Andrew Mangiapane when he can't stop taking penalties or Andrew Mangiapane when he's scared to take penalties because that guy that we watched for the last two periods in Vegas last night knowing that if he took another minor penalty he wouldn't be on the ice for the rest of the game. Like he's just ineffective that mm-hmm. way. And I understand why he is playing a, a sort of timid, almost terrified game at that point. He's trying not to be benched, but if he's not right in the thick of everything, he's just not effective. Mm-hmm. And he of late has just not had nearly enough impact on it for the Calgary Flames. Yeah. So those are some of your... We did do a few positives at the start. Let me finish with a positive one as well. Blake Coleman is second on the team in scoring, and that guy's a captain or an alternate captain. He just doesn't wear a letter. Guy is... what? Honestly, what bad can you say about Blake Coleman since he's joined this team? He's given them secondary offense. He's been damn good defensively. He's been an elite penalty killer. And... I mean, he tells it like it is. He's great as a fan. If you want to learn about the team, if you want to learn about where they're at, he gave us great stuff post-game after the game Tuesday. I just, he's got a great welt on his arm now. Um, Made a great turkey dinner. I mean, it might have been catered, but still. He hosted a great, great turkey great dinner. great things about turkey dinner. Yeah, he's, he's been, he's been all that was advertised when he arrived from Tampa and maybe then some. Yep. 
and playing his best as a member of the Flames yeah. this season. Uh, Wes Gilbertson, Pat Steinberg, this hour of Flames Talk underway. And whether you're a fan of sports or a fan of great deals, our friends over at 403 Local in Lake Bonavista, they are the place to be. Every time the local hockey heroes hit the ice, for instance, on Thursday of this week, you can get two beers and a pizza on the game day special for just $20. On Sundays, they've got football wall-to-wall on the big screen TVs with 50-cent wings and happy hour all day. They also do 50-cent wings on Wednesday, so two wing nights, including Sunday all day for football. On Monday, dry ribs, $5 a pound. They also have daily happy hour, 3 till 6 p.m. Lunch specials weekdays from 11.30 until 2.30, and 403 locals available for private functions. Great time to be thinking about that uh, right around Christmas party season as well. Visit 403 Local in Lake Bonavista and at 403local.com. You're locked on Flames Talk, only on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, let's go inside hockey on this Wednesday for Calgary Co-op. It's that time to stock up for the celebrations that matter with ingredients that help make memories. Visit Calgary Co-op, where life's in store. Pat Steinberg and now our Pacific Division Insider on this edition of Inside Hockey. It's time to say hello to Jonathan Davis from NHL Network and NHL Network Radio. Hello, J.D. How are we doing today? We're doing great, Pat. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Um, we... Uh, we, we watched a uh, pretty entertaining Vegas Flames game on Tuesday night. Didn't, uh, Flames didn't get the result they were looking for. Um, and we will get to Vegas in our check-in. But going on at the same time as Calgary Vegas was Chicago Edmonton. The Oilers win uh, in what was uh, the first ever Connor Bedard versus Connor McDavid showdown. That was, uh, seemed like it was a pretty fun night. It was, and that goal by Bedard was just sick. Um, that was just a thing of beauty, and uh, you know, so you got a bit of everything. And you know, you got Connor Bedard scoring. By the way, anyone who who uh, had the stones to take Connor Bedard for first goal of the night paid eleven to one last night. Okay. Um, and the Oilers just continue to roll, and all that talk about oh, the goaltending stinks. Well, we haven't had that for a couple of weeks, and. But I think ultimately, in Edmonton's case, I think a lot of it, and, and I'm not the first person, I mean, it's not breaking news by any, any stretch of the imagination, Pat, but it's you got a healthy Connor McDavid, you got a healthy Matthias Ekholm, and so your best defenseman and your best forward are, you know, as close to 100%. Uh, it changes a lot for this team, to go without saying. Well... And, you know, I was uh, talking to a couple of people about this over the last couple of days. Now they've won the eight in a row. You know, he's kind of, well, while the struggles were going on and, you know, Jay Woodcroft was having his struggles and eventually gets fired and it didn't get off to a great start with Chris Knobloch on the bench. I just, I refuse to pile on too much, either publicly or not on the mic. Cause you're just like, you knew it was going to turn in some form or another and so I can't sit here as, as much as we, it wasn't like awful to see the Oilers struggling in Calgary. Like right. th- we, we know what this team is all about. So I can't sit here and tell you that I am stunned that they've won eight in a row. I can't even sit here and tell you I'm stunned that Stuart Skinner's figured it out because he, he was a good goalie last year. So it just, 
it seems like a bit of a correction here, and that's why I was like, yeah, you know what? I'm not going to pile on too much on this Oilers team because you just worried about what happens if, when they figure it out, right? Yeah, I mean, 100%. And look, anytime you've got, you know, Connor and Leon on your side, uh, you know, you can't, you can't count them out un- until, the, in- until the, the numbers tell you you can count them out. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's, been, it's been, you know, it, just a totally different story. And, you know, but I think, you know, another guy for me, and I don't know about you, Pat, but uh, I, I don't, you know, Zach Hyman for me, when that guy's rolling for the Edmonton Oilers, I just think they're a different team. Yeah, he's been a perfect fit there since signing. Um, he's he's given them an element that, and when he's on, you're right. He, he gives them an element: the the forecheck, the getting to dirty areas. It's, when you've got skill, especially like McDavid, who can find guys in spots where lots of other guys can't, and Hyman gets to those spots. Yeah, it's a good fit, and it's been a really good fit. So yeah, unfortunately, but not surprisingly. The Oilers have figured it out. They've won eight in a row, and they've closed the gap too. What 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 have they done in the last week? They've gone from how how many back to how many back? I think I I think it was six points back to one. Uh, since yeah, when we when we spoke last week, they were six points out of a playoff spot, and today it's one. By the way, one other thing you're asking me, I wanted to just say like you're asking me how my day was. So my son just came back from from school in Toronto, and what does he bring me? He brings me Timbits ketchup chips and dill pickle chips the day is just wonderful do they not have uh, timbits obviously no no tim hortons in cali we know ketchup chip. is dill pickle not a yeah. thing in the states either no not really no really no that yeah. i did not know i knew I that ketchup there. chips was a very canadian thing i just didn't know that dill pickle was the yeah. same yeah I was, very big day in, in the davis household my son you know, we'll we'll allow him to stay for the full month. Okay, so, and even take him on a uh, on an upcoming trip. So it's harder yeah. to get <laughs> it's harder to get a two liter um, two liter fountain pop for twenty seven cents in Canada, but uh, you can. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm glad he brought yeah. some some good things back with him. That's awesome. Yeah, uh, very excited. Let's uh, let's move to your neck of the woods, uh, to SoCal, where the LA Kings have been one of the stories of the season, and they've got the Winnipeg Jets on this Wednesday night. A uh, bit of a homecoming for a couple players. Yeah, I mean it's the return of Gabe Velarde and Alex Iafalo, so you know get the tribute videos ready. Uh, you know, and I think for Velarde, you know, look, the first and only time these two teams met, that you know he got hurt. You know, he, he took a shot from Blake Lazat, and you know. Uh, and Velarde took some shots verbally at Lazat, you know, calling him somewhat of a dirty player. Uh, so we'll see what happens tonight. But, it, you know, it will it, it will be interesting. And you've got a Winnipeg team that's, you know, dealing with a bigger issue, no Kyle Connor. And, you know, they're coming off that loss last night. And, you know, Connor Hellebuck traditionally hasn't done very well against the Los Angeles Kings. Um, you know, and the Kings are coming off back-to-back losses and something that uh, – you know, one, um, you know, one in overtime, one in, in, in regulation. They haven't lost three in a row this year, but, you know, they also come back and it's, I always hate that spot for a team. You know, anytime you come back after a road trip, I find a four games or more, that first home game can, can just be an absolute dud. We saw it earlier in the year against the Pittsburgh Penguins. 
we'll see what happens tonight. But it'll definitely be a, a you know a, a fun atmosphere with the return of the two former Kings for sure. And and I'm sure for Pierre Luc Dubois, who scored once against Winnipeg, you know I'm sure he would love to score again because Pat he has had a hard time scoring. Yeah, what are we looking at for him? One in his last twenty-one. Oh. Uh, Five, five on the year. That is not, you know, five goals for the eight million dollar man. Um, you know, I, I've said before. You know, it, look, the numbers are, are are not great, and and the numbers don't lie. Um, but I will say that even with Dubois not scoring, they're a better team with him on the ice than they were a year ago, because it does allow Blake Lazat to be a fourth line center, which he should be. Um, and it also gets overshadowed because Cam Talbot's been really good. And so while, you know, all the talk was, or much of the talk in the off season was, is that really this team should have been spending money on a goalie and not uh, on this $8 million center. Uh, we can kind of overlook it at least right now because Cam Talbot's played really well. Right. Uh, and uh, just quickly, what's happening with uh, Gavrikov on the back? He's going to be out for a little bit, hey? Yeah, that's a big loss for this team. I mean, he 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 is he's fit in. He does so many things so well. I mean, besides being you know a, a really good shutdown defenseman, got some offensive flair to his game. But you know, at first the thought was it was a day to day injury, and then Todd McCullen announced week to week. You know, so if you're going to have an injury like this, do it now. Uh, you know, the Kings have built up, a, you know, a, a really good cushion. I don't think that there's a, a, you know, there's enough, there's enough depth on the blue line with this team that they, you know, uh, they should be able to hold the fort. And at least the next little while, I mean, I know San Jose's resurged and they've won six of nine. We'll get to the Sharks in a bit, but LA's got a stretch coming up with a home and home against Seattle, a home and home with San Jose sandwiched around the one game against Calgary. It's not the murderer's row that they've got to go through for the next, you know, week to 10 days. Right. Um, we're chatting so, with – yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, 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 no. That, you know, so it's at least, you know, we'll see how long he's out. Um, anytime you hear week to week, then you know it's he's out more than a week. Yeah. Um, and it is, it is a loss for them. No no question. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll see. But they – they, they've banked points. We all, we talk about it all the time. Bank those points early so you don't have to chase them late. Mm-hmm. And they definitely have done that. They are uh, right there in the mix for one of the top teams in the NHL. We're uh, chatting with Jonathan Davis, our Pacific Division insider from uh, NHL Network. Uh, speaking of the top team in the NHL, two more points for Vegas. They improved to 20 Five and five with their uh, overtime win over Calgary Tuesday. So they've now won six of their last seven. Uh, they they were going through it a little bit, but Bruce Cassidy's team is has really gotten it back on track. Well, they have, but you know, look, you take a look at the game last night where you know they didn't get that lead until what early to midway through the third period, Late, less than four I mean, minutes you know, they, to go. Yeah. Okay, right, late. All right, they tied the game, right, and they, they went ahead with four minutes, right, just under four to play. That was their first lead of the game. Uh, you know, the Flames gave them everything they could coming off a back-to-back, you know, in Colorado the night before. And Vegas, just like their game before against San Jose, you know, again, they get tied late. It, it's, 
Pat, I, I've been saying it all year. They sleepwalk through a lot of these games against what, you know, let, I, let's call them inferior teams. They have no problem getting up for, you know, like they've swept Dallas so far. They've won all three against Dallas. They still have one more. They've beaten the Jets twice. They, you know, they, they had the 7 nothing shellacking at Colorado. Uh, so they find a way to get themselves up and play really well against the elite. And then they just kind of, uh, I don't know, it's just a different team. But there's just there's so much skill. So, you know, when you have a game last night, like they did, they, they're, they're better than most. They're better than most teams. Right. And they just, you know, they just, they know, it seems like they can just flip the switch when they need to. And, but, you know, uh, they're, they're not, they're not, they're not busting their tails. They, they know what, they know what it takes to win a cup. They've won the cup. And like I said, I just find at times that they're they're sleepwalking and they just they can just win out on talent many yeah. nights. Um, I mean, I don't know what you saw. Like, did you see something different last night? No, like, I thought that I thought, they, thought I thought they were all kinds of out of sorts for the first period, even into the second period. It felt like, yeah, I, <laughs> that that looked very much like your uh, your description. Yeah, and then you know, and then Mark Stone, you know, just continues to be. I, I mean. I always say he's the happiest hockey player on earth. There, there's no one that enjoys scoring or being on the ice when a goal is scored more than, than 61 in, in Vegas. There, he, he just, and, you know, four-point night last night, a ho-hum. But I still, you know, the other thing with Vegas, I, I do want to go back to, I still think that Jack Eichel does everything he can to try to take this team on his back, and he'll carry them. I, I, I don't know about you, Pat, I am more and more impressed each time I watch this guy play, especially in these bigger games that they've had this year. Right. Yeah, he's a pretty good player. Um, and thought he was <laughs> thought he was pretty good against the Flames as well. Um, and, hey, he was pretty damn good in four rounds of the playoffs too. So remember the whole Jack Eichel will never win a cup. You can't win with Jack Eichel. I was one of their – he could have won the Conn Smythe. <laughs> like, like he was that good right. for him. Well, um, but you know, look. I, but just one, just one, one finishing one point, and I one thing I want to just finish up on. Like to me, Pat, you know, I had a conversation with somebody about Austin Matthews, and I always like to me Austin Matthews wants to win, but I don't think he. I haven't seen enough to see that he hates to lose. I think Jack Eichel hates to lose more than he likes to win. Yeah, which is a really important quality to have if you're going to be a championship yeah. winner. Um, yeah. I agree. What? Uh, okay. Vancouver just continues to win. And <laughs> yeah. so that, that tell us about these, uh, these two stats. Why are 18 regulation wins and why is a plus 37 goal differential? Why are these significant? Well, I mean, because at the end of the day, we're not playing three on three come Stanley cup playoff time. So, 18, you know, more, the most regulation wins is is very telling for me. And goal differential is, you know, again, you know, they're plus 37. I think they've also got one of the best five-on-five five, uh, goal differential numbers in the league as well, if I remember in watching the broadcast last night. Um, so that just, you know, I, I just think those, those are, for me, some of the more telling stats about where you're at. Like, you know, look. We, we harp on the Maple Leafs who've got, what, six or maybe seven now wins, seven wins in regulation. You know, we're not playing three-on-three three or, or shootouts. 
come come playoff time. So for me, yeah, I focus on that regulation win number. Mm-hmm. It's, it, 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 I just, you know, because that's how you're going to have to win come playoff time. And for Vancouver, you know, the other thing last night, Tampa's been a team that has just stuck it to them over the years. And they beat them earlier in the year. Um, but, man, you know, after that first goal that Tampa scored, that was it. And, again, their their best players continue to be their best players. And, you're, you know, you're looking at the numbers that, you know, that guys are having, like, you know, both, you know, JT Miller on pace for 118 points and Brock Besser mm-hmm. on pace for 59 goals. Look, I don't, you know, Besser's put up some really good numbers and, and is, you know, uh, but he's never, you know, he's, he's never, he's always injured. So you never, or, or it's been a lockout season. So he's never been able to play. He really hasn't had a chance to put up numbers or hasn't put up numbers over 82. I'm, I'm intrigued to see where it goes, but you know, whether it's Besser or Miller or, you know, even Pedersen, you know, over the weekend against Carolina, uh, again, their best players continue to be their best. And, you know, that's, that's what you want. It, if your best players can be your best players and it allows your bottom six guys to just have to hold their own and to be able to contribute from time to time, you're not leaning on them, you know? So I, I'm more and more impressed. And, and I still, and Pat, like I had, I, I had Thatcher Demko last year for the Vesna. I wish I bet him on, bet on him this year because I, I think he's the best goalie in the league right now. He's out of his mind. Uh, you're not getting a disagreement with me on that. He has been outstanding for him. Uh, and it's a huge reason for that plus 37 goal differential. A uh, couple more. Let's uh, race through on Seattle and San Jose. Um, Jonathan Davis, Pacific Division insider. Finally a win for the Kraken on Tuesday night over Florida. They needed that in the biggest way. They did. Um, and, yeah, they lost, eight, you know, coming out eight in a row. And, I mean, I was more impressed, not so much that they beat Florida, but they blanked the Florida Panthers yeah. last night. Uh, that, that, to me, was – I mean that, that that's look any win for them is is is, is a good has got to be a good feeling, um, but you know look at the end of the day I mean Ron Francis has got to be on the phone, you know trying to you have to believe he's looking to make some sort of deal and I and and for me Pat it's not a deal for this year it's a deal for beyond this year uh, because you know look they're, they're done like you know stick a fork in them they're 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 playing for next season and. Uh, it's unfortunate after, you know, everything that they built up last year, but there's just, it's not working out right now. And, uh, you know, you can talk about the goaltending hasn't been great. Grubauer got hurt. And, you know, some have suggested, I heard Elliot and Jeff talking about the fact that, you know, teams are, are, are pressuring the, the D more. And so it's not allowing them to play their transition game the way they did last year. Uh, they're not getting scoring from Maddie Beniers like they did. It's been just a, an off year in Seattle. So, yes, last night was great. Uh, it's a good feeling. But, you know, there, there's – I still think, we're, you know, they're playing for next year. For sure. They've uh, they've fallen way behind the eight ball. Um, this, is San Jose still playing for last year? Uh, for next year, rather? <laughs> what, wins in six of nine? We've only got about a minute here, J.D., but uh, the San Jose Sharks, they're beating good teams. They're coming from behind. You, maybe they should always play with their net empty. Like, what are we talking about here? <laughs> well, I think Mike Greer has got to be going down to the locker room and, you know, after like the second period saying, guys, let's stop. We, we'd like to get the first, you know, we still want to get the, the number one pick overall or at least put ourselves in the best spot for it. But, yeah, I mean, to think where they were and to, and to where they are now and winning six of nine and the way they have done it, 
you know, they, yeah, they beat a good team last night in Winnipeg. They went on the road and they, you know, they, they hammered the devils. They lose a one goal game to the Rangers. Uh, you know, they, they had gone from scoring six goals in their first 10 road games to scoring 26 in their next five. Uh, I, I, you know, it, it, it's, it's a good thing. I mean, it's, it's, it's a good thing for, it, you, you hate to see a team be that bad. Like, did we think they were going to be the 77 Canadians? It sure looked like that for a while, but you know, right now they're, they're making life miserable. So maybe the LA Kings who I talked about earlier, who have to face them twice. Well, they're, they're definitely facing a different sharks team. Um, it, it, it is pretty interesting. And, and again, from a betting standpoint, Pat, they are, if you bet every sharks game, you are after last night, you're finally on the plus side. Huh. To me, that's remarkable. Uh, yeah, you are up. If you are a hundred dollar better, you're up about, I think, $95 right now, which, you know, considering there are teams like Edmonton where you'd be taking a bath, um, it is remarkable that the San Jose Sharks should actually be profitable um, if you bet them every game. Thanks, J.D. We'll do it again next week. All right, bud. Have a good one. Enjoy. Enjoy those dill pickle chips. Uh, That's Jonathan Davis, our uh, Pacific Division insider. He joins us inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. Flames fans, meet Cal and Gary. Top products curated for Calgarians, and we mean every single one of you. Only available at Calgary Co-op. Visit them today. As we start to wrap up this hour, Wes Gilbertson. Thank you, pal. Thank you, pal. Wes is on Twitter, at Wes Gilbertson. Our outstanding producers have been Taylor and Cam this hour, and uh, that'll wrap us up. This hour has been the Sports Drive, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. This Christmas, give the gift of security. With smart locks and safes, visit calgarylockandsafe.com.